All good things must come to an end. Fourth and final day of SEC Media Days. One more day for fine media people to invoice their meals to their employers. The three final teams today. South Carolina, high hopes after winning eight games last season. Big game against Georgia in week three. We'll talk to Coach Shane Beamer later. Another coach entering his third season, Josh Heupel. All he did was last year was lead Tennessee to its winningest season in 20 years. Lane Kiffin in his fourth year at Ole Miss was at one point a top 10 team last year. Lost four straight to end the campaign. His QB room is crowded as the scene in Nashville where we find our experts soaking in the waning minutes. The final hours of SEC Media Days. Roman Harper and Greg McElroy. Tom Luganville going to join us in just a moment. We mentioned Ole Miss. Let's start with them fellas. The key storylines entering the season in Oxford for Lane Kiffin's team. He took the podium today, but he could have been here representing another SEC school. Kiffin is back at Ole Miss for a fourth season after being linked for the Auburn coaching job very late last year. Kiffin is back, so is running back Quinshaw Junkins. As a true freshman, he led the SEC and set program records for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. There are a lot of new faces coming to Oxford. The Rebels added 25 new transfers, including a pair of quarterbacks from Power 5 schools, Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard. The quarterback room, as we mentioned, loaded with experience. All three of them transfers, Jackson Dart, the incumbent former USC transfer. Will Sanders or Howard be able to supplant him? Here's Coach Kiffin on his crop of QBs. Well, we're excited about how the guys played in the spring and how much better that room is than it was a year ago. And it's highly competitive with guys that have two or three have played a lot. I mean, not too many people have a returning starter in college football, let alone two returning starting quarterbacks um, in college football. So we're excited about that. And we got a lot of pieces around them. Well, I think just coming in and learning everything and then not just the system and the plays, but you know how we work and how we think. And when we've been really good, it's uh, with a good relationship with the quarterback where we know them really well, they know us, what plays we're going to call, what we're thinking in certain situations. And we also know how to call the game around them about how they play and how their emotions are during games. A lot of experience, a lot of snaps uh, in that locker room, in that quarterback room. Greg, start with you. Which of the three quarterbacks fits what Lane Kiffin wants to do? Well, the beauty of Lane Kiffin is he will adapt the offense to whatever the quarterback skill set is. So I'm not sure it necessarily needs to be square peg, square hole situation. Mm. If you look at Jackson Dart, I think he's the guy to beat at the position. Naturally, he's the incumbent. Thought Spencer Sanders might ultimately overtake him. He was limited in the spring, though, with a shoulder injury. And according to everybody that watched that competition closely, Jackson Dart elevated his play significantly as a result of the arrival of Spencer Sanders. Now, he's got great supporting cast. They have excellent run game. The offensive line should be rock solid, and they've added some transfer players as well on the perimeter, both at wide receiver and tight end, that could make this group of weapons among the best in the SEC. Yeah, and I'll just go straight to what Lane Kiffin shared with us today, and he said, it's all about taking care of the football who does that the best, and who wins the locker room. And it's really hard to win the locker room when you just showed up six 
months ago versus Jackson Dart, being there already having a season under his belt with that locker room, with that team, with that on that university's campus. So Jackson Dart naturally has the advantage, and I think it would be good if he keeps the job because you want to have a young guy that's going to be there for the next two years as well to continue to add on to that. But he has to be better in two-minute offense and also taking care of the football because he had too many turnovers last year. You know, you look back, speaking of last year, 7-0 and start. You lose five of six. Kind of a mixed bag. What, what are, I guess, the realistic expectations? Where's this team's ceiling here, Roman? Well, you... They can win every home game and they can still lose four road games. This schedule is not easy for Ole Miss. You look at the road games alone. You go at Tulane, at Alabama, at Mississippi State at the end of the year, and a couple other ones at Georgia. These are really, really tough road games. If they can get over the road game woes, they got a chance to do something special. Uh, I think they're the most dangerous team in the SEC. Will they ultimately win the SEC West? No, I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's attainable, not right now. But if I'm Alabama, I don't want to see them. If I'm LSU and I got to go to their place, I don't want to see them. Georgia, they're in November. As Georgia may be at that point probably hitting their stride, I don't want to run into a team with crazy firepower offensively and what should be a really improved defensive group. Now, so much has been made of the quarterback competition, yeah. but Pete Golding's arrival, and while he has mixed reviews with what he did in Tuscaloosa, they added some really good defensive line personnel to strengthen that group. That's been a position of weakness the last couple years, and they have some experience in the back end as well. So I think this defense at all three levels is going to be significantly better than they were last year, which makes this team very, very dicey. If they can control the ball the way they have in the past yeah. and take care of the football like Roman already alluded to. And whoever the quarterback is, Quinshot Junkins, again, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, uh, pretty good bell cow to have leading the way. All right, thanks, guys. More from you in just a moment to the Big Ten right now here on College Football Live with lawsuits emerging almost daily in the wake of the Northwestern hazing scandal. The football program looking to add some veteran leadership under interim coach David Braun. Former college and NFL coach Dave Wanstead told WSCR Radio in Chicago he spoke to athletic director Derek Gregg about a special assistant role but took himself out of the running. Wanstead said USFL coach Skip Holtz was also approached, but our Pete Thamel says he's not joining the staff. Up next, seven wins in year one, eight wins in year two. He's elevated the program. Can Shane Beamer meet the elevated expectations? We'll chat with him later on. But up next, one of his big wins was against the team this man will lead this season. Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton, the big arm QB, tells us what to expect this year on Rocky Top. One of the final three teams to speak to the media today in Nashville. They'll look to keep the momentum going from an 11 win season with a new starting quarterback. Milton, of course, was the day one starter yep. last year, 2021. Then he injured an ankle ligament, and Hooker took over. I mean, that was one of the most impressive throws I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's just straight talent. Tennessee fans, the future is bright. Let Milton fling it, baby. <laughs> There's the big arm. <laughs> wow. He threw that from his own 23-yard line to about the 15. Those ones you watch, you can't believe what you're seeing. 
Milton gonna take a shot wide open and just strutting in is Keaton. Joe Milton does it again. He started the final two games of last season wins over Vanderbilt and Clemson. He joins us now Joe Milton alongside Tom Luganville and Greg McElroy. Joe heading into this season how important was getting those starts albeit under unfortunate circumstances with Hendon Hooker season ending injury in order for you to catapult yourself into this season. It was great you know you have an opportunity um, obviously it was a blessing but uh, another thing too well um, you know it was sad to see my, my brother go down but you know you have to do what's best for Tennessee that's what made him the driver and me the passenger now I'm the driver and Nico the passenger so just willing to make make things happen uh, no matter what. Joe seeing you in week two in year one of the Josh Heupel era and you end up getting pulled in that game and Hendon Hooker enters and we all know what took place you know for the next year two years. I'm curious to get your sense of what are the areas of emphasis that you have placed in the offseason in your film work that are going to get you to have your athletic ability and your arm talent match up with production on the field. What, what have you emphasized to maximize that. Um, keep preparing like a pro. Um, I think that's one thing I take emphasis on. Um, you know, Coach Hype preach it. You know, because I mean, we get done at 12 every day. So being able to have that afternoon time to yourself, you know, you get a lot of freedom. But me preparing to go through different run schemes and different plays and offense where I get the ins and outs of it. You know, just understanding that gonna translate a lot. Joe, I mean, having an arm like yours is a tremendous blessing, naturally. I mean, being able to drive the ball the way you can, being able to fit it in tight windows, but it can also at times be a curse, too, because it's easy to just overthrow somebody or maybe throw something underneath a little bit too hard. I've seen you really grow in understanding how to become more of a passer as opposed to just a big arm. So how have you really emphasized that? Because it's really clear based on how you played in the last couple weeks. Um, to be honest with you, it's all about knowing your receivers. I mean, you was a quarterback, so you know. Uh, when I first got here, I didn't know my receivers too well. But now that I know them, um, I mean, you see the results now. So, Joe, speaking of that arm strength, and we've seen a lot of videos out there. There's one out there about the Manning Passing Academy throwing at 70 yards. We got video of you throwing an orange 100 yards. Your college game day for the basketball when Tennessee played Texas, they said, hey, throw a throw a basketball into the stands for us. Here's the orange video. How often are you asked to just throw something? Um, um, uh, recently, the past two months, I was asked a lot of times to throw a lot of things, but uh, I had to be smart because the season's coming up. What are they asking you to throw? Maybe I mean some people walk up to me with oranges out of nowhere and ask me can they throw it like man, I'm like man uh, I wish I can but uh, if you go look at the video you'll be fine. At what point during your your upbringing when you started throwing the football did you realize you know what I can actually throw objects including a football pretty far. Um, I actually didn't even think about it like that. Um, it's kind of when I touched a baseball for the first time and I threw it 95 I was like oh it's other objects I can throw far and fast too as well. Hey, Joe, I'm curious, strong arm aside, arm talent aside, obviously it's magnificent. But what part of your game, whether it's, you know, 
going through progressions, whether it's run checks, whether it's understanding defenses and theory of the game. What have you tried to really focus on to enhance you cerebrally, so not so much athletically and physically? Um, I'll say pretty much let my getting my other guys on the offense to understand defenses more. Um, I mean, yeah, we talk about them every day in the quarterback room. That's our job to understand what the other 11 is doing. But having the other 10 guys around me understand defenses as well, I think we'll all be on the same page now. Think this offense is just so fun to watch. I I can only imagine what it's like to play in this style of attack, stretching the field, knowing your options, the option routes, all that stuff. So, when you decided on Tennessee, and as you finally got to understand the playbook, how enjoyable is it to play in a system that puts so much on your shoulders and yet gives you so much freedom at the same time? It's great, man. It's an opportunity because, I mean, you never know when you're going to score because everything happens so fast. But at the same time, like, you're just having fun. Um, I mean, everything's so spread out. So if you have a, a read option where it's just five guys in a box, I mean, you just got to make somebody miss it, <laughs> and now you're running for a long time. So it's just being able to have spatial awareness, understand defenses very well, and understand bodies. Fun to play in and certainly fun to watch. Looking forward to doing that again uh, this fall. Thank you, Joe. Best of luck to you. No problem. Thank you all. Joe Milton, quarterback there for the Tennessee Volunteers. They open the season against Virginia. They end the month of September against South Carolina. Shane Beamer had the upper hand last year. What's in store for an encore? We'll chat with him next. season could not have ended much better for South Carolina and head coach Shane Beamer who joins us now those wins over Tennessee and Clemson Shane how, how did that how do those wins fuel this team in this offseason. Now those two wins gave us great momentum going into 2023 first of all on the recruiting trail uh, coming out of uh, the season going into 2023 great momentum and excitement about Gamecock football uh, in recruiting in our facility outside our facility and then the biggest thing for us is just continuing to build on that we we did some good things in those two games but we can be a lot better as well and there's a lot that we need to improve on uh, from 2022 into 2023 and that's what we've been focused on since we came back in January. How challenging is it uh, in this day and age of college football to maintain momentum from one season to the next when you have roster turnover, when you have upwards of 40 new players like you do with transfers and freshmen coming into the program? 
It's hard. Uh, it really is. It's uh, harder than ever. It really is. I mean, we've got some core guys returning on our team that uh, played significant roles in 2022 for us. But we've got, like you said, close to 40 players that weren't even here last season. So literally every year is is starting over. And uh, you try and build on the things you did the year before, but realize that there's a lot of guys that are going through this thing for the first time as a part of our program. But hopefully you've got a core group of uh, leaders, core group of players that to lead the way and, and uh, can be the, uh, the, the the building block around everybody else. You know, it all starts uh, on the offense with Spencer Rattler, and you've seen him grow and mature and fight through adversity from your time at Oklahoma to uh, even at, at South Carolina. What's it going to take for him to, to take that next step in his final year under a new offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think uh, just continuing to build on the things he did last season down the stretch. He he played as well as any quarterback in the country the last couple games, and that's who he is. Uh, we saw that when he was at Oklahoma. There was a reason that two years ago at this time he was the preseason Heisman Trophy pick and uh, someone that many people thought was going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's still that same guy. We've just got to do a great job of coaches, uh, as coaches, of uh, getting him to play to his potential. And, and then uh, he'll be the first to tell you there's so much more that he can continue to improve on but he's grown as a leader he's grown as a person there's uh, not much that rattles that guy pardon the pun and and uh, excited that he's our quarterback I know one of the things you stressed in the offseason interceptions fumbles turnovers the last two years no team in the SEC has turned the ball over more than you guys how, how do you fix that how do you emphasize that yeah, uh, just continuing to emphasize it more. Obviously, we, starting with me, have not done a good enough job of emphasizing it, whether it's how we practice or, or whatnot. So really just went back after last season, looked at every turnover we had, really studied why that turnover took place, whether it be a technique error, whether it be a, de a decision, whether it be a scheme, whatever it might be, and uh, really just emphasize it more. That's all I know to do and, and uh, confident that we'll be better and, and, and not have as many turnovers as we've had the last two years. Looking at your schedule again, uh, opening up against North Carolina, you got Georgia uh, coming up uh, again in the first three weeks of the season. I know coaches like to use the phrase, we got to take it one week at a time, but without using that phrase, how would you characterize the, just the opening stretch to this campaign? Tough. Um, when you open up with a team that that uh, that played for the ACC championship last season and returns a guy that many people say is going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft next year if he comes out, uh, that's a tough opener. And then, uh, you know, Furman in state had a heck of a season right. last season in, in, in the FCS level. Then at Georgia. So we do take it one game at a time. We Competition is a core value of our program. So the way I look at it is we get to play that schedule. And uh, as a competitor, you want to play big-time games like that against big-time opponents. And we certainly are. We're definitely not tiptoeing into anything in 2023, and we're looking forward to getting going. Uh, last question before we let you go. Whatever happened to predictability, uh, the milkman, the paperboy, evening TV? Um, you guys recreated that Full House uh, thing. It was fantastic. I mean, I, you and I are separated by maybe three years. You did the Full House remix, the redo. How did that idea came about? Because that was outstanding. 
Uh, really, it's our creative media team. Justin King and his team head that up. They just come up with ideas, and uh, it's one of those things. If they just tell me we want to do something, I don't even ask questions. I just know it's going to be brilliant. So we've done that. We did we did Soldier Boy last year. We did the right. Office spoof today. We did a spoof on the on the Sopranos opening. We did that today. Uh, so there's some great content out there for sure. You strike me more, and again, you put the Sopranos thing out today. You strike me more as Danny Tanner than Tony Soprano. Am I right on that? <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I, uh, uh, that's not me. That's for sure. So I'm more of the, uh, I'm more of that. That's for sure. That's, that's more of my speed too. I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. TGIF instead of HBO. There it is. Shane, thanks so much for the time. That's we right. appreciate you. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Go Gamecocks. If Shane Beamer is Danny Tanner, maybe Spencer Rattler's Uncle Jesse. South Carolina. He started out a bit bumpy there. But that upset of fifth-ranked Tennessee, throwing for a school record six touchdown passes, have mercy. He followed that up a week later, leading the Gamecocks to a win against Clemson. Here's Spencer entering his final year as confident as ever in himself and his team. Humbly, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I got, you know, I can stack up with anybody in this league quarterback-wise. Um, you know, we, we still got a lot of work to do as a group. We got a lot to prove this year. Um, obviously didn't have... You know, the season we wanted last year had a good season, but not the way we wanted it. Um, so as a group, we want to be better this year and keep striving just for perfection. I think this offense complements our strengths very well, and uh, the product on the field should look pretty good. Pretty confident words there. Tom Luganville, Greg McElroy back with us. Uh, came out of high school with a lot of hype, Luke's Four years, a couple of yeah. schools later, here we are entering his final season. How would you evaluate him and, and what he can do with this team this year? I would evaluate him as being a very, very talented player with some really, really talented ability with his arm that's been extremely inconsistent and extremely streaky. So you have to ask yourself, do you trust Spencer Rattler? Because if you watch him physically, there are going to be a lot of things that you'll fall in love with. But then as you start to really break him down and study him, there's a lot of inefficient work there. And which one are we going to see? Are we going to see the Spencer Rattler the last three to four games of 2022 or the first eight to nine games of last year? So consistency of performance, in my opinion, is going to be huge. New offensive system, new leadership on that side of the ball. But I would agree with his own statement. He is unbelievably talented physically. I think his big thing for Spencer Rattler is really between the ears because you think about what he was when he started out at Oklahoma in 2020, had a great second half of the season after he was benched momentarily against Texas. Then he goes into 2021 as the face of college football. He gets beat out by Caleb Williams. Nothing to be ashamed of there, but it was because I think he was looking over his shoulder a little bit those first few weeks and was a little afraid to pull the trigger and maybe make a mistake. Now he went to South Carolina, and we saw Joe Burrow. Remember when Joe Burrow transferred to LSU? That first year was average at best but the second yeah. year when he finally got on the same page and they finally had the correct system in place he started to feel more comfortable and he became one of the best players we've ever seen by the position at the college level so I'm not anticipating that type of leap but I would be shocked if we see a confident and comfortable Spencer Rattler if his productivity doesn't shoot through the moon here in this upcoming season. Burrow had a good up-and-coming OC in 
Joe Brady as well. South Carolina brings in Dow Loggins. You know him, uh, Greg McElroy. What, what are they getting in him? Why is this such a good fit? Well, I've known Dow Logans for about 13 years, and the first time we ever got together with Talk Ball was actually at our little restaurant about a half mile from here when he was coaching for the Tennessee Titans. And what I love about him is he has a pro approach. Having worked in the NFL for so long, he knows how to reach the players. He knows how to motivate the players schematically. I think from a protection standpoint, he will be excellent because in the pros, it's all about protecting your prized possession, your starting quarterback. But he's now spent the last couple of years at Arkansas where he's learned the Bryles-Baylor system. So I anticipate a nice blend of what they did at Arkansas with tempo and quarterback run and stretching the field vertically coupled with the emphasis on protection that you see in the NFL. So I think it's a great fit, Lugs, and I'm really excited to see just, I think, how those those two offenses might blend and, and possibly work out in Columbia. Yeah, Greg, I would agree. I think there's a really nice marriage between skill set and scheme here. And this is a tried-and-true scheme at the collegiate level. We're seeing it with Josh Heupel. All right, we, we've seen it across the country really uh, take the college football world by storm. And everybody that seems to step into it flourishes. All right, guys, should be very interesting. We'll find out a lot about them very early when they face uh, North Carolina. Coming up next, we'll stick in the SEC East. They got the better at Tennessee last year. The Vols coming off an 11-win season, avoided severe NCAA penalties. What does it all mean in Knoxville in 2023? Tennessee back, man. Milton gonna take a shot wide open and just strutting in his Keaton. Joe Milton does it again. They're gonna be heading into 2023 with some massive expectations built on the foundation of what this team accomplished. Massive expectations, those usually come after your first 11 win season in more than 20 years. They'll look to sustain that success with an offense that led the FBS averaging more than 46 points per game last season. That was the most in program history. With Hendon Hooker's time on Rocky Top coming to a close, Joe Milton seems the most likely candidate to lead Tennessee's high-powered offense. Milton started the Vols' final two games last season, winning both, and had four passing touchdowns, about 400 passing yards. Tennessee will look to improve defensively after allowing more than 400 yards per game. High hopes for the Vols, especially for their quarterback. Here's Jordan Rodgers. Joe Milton is hands down the most talented quarterback in the entire country. It is not even close. Throws the ball 90 yards. Great. That's not a prerequisite to play quarterback. But I tell you what, the things that he's developed at, his accuracy, his decision-making, will play him into the Heisman conversation and play him into being a top 10, if not a top 5 draft pick. We all watch Anthony Richardson go top 5. 
Yeah, Joe Milton but. is as talented as a thrower. Easily, he'll have better tape. <laughs> Maybe Anthony's a little faster, can a little. jump a little higher. But Joe Milton has every aspect that Anthony Richardson has. He'll have better tape, and he will be in the conversation. All right, all right. Heisman conversation, potential top five pick. Tom Luganbill, you co-signing? Not yet, but I didn't co-sign on Anthony Richardson either. I, I think if you're, you know, you're a sub 55%, 60% completion percentage guy, as Anthony Richardson was, and so far as Joe Milton has been throughout his career, I think that's a little bit premature. Um, and again, I was on that broadcast week two of 2021, and he missed a lot of guys, end up getting pulled as a result of it. A couple of them would have been touchdowns. So while I agree that his physical tools are outstanding, I need to see it. I need to see, again, consistency of performance and not just a big arm. But as we know, the NFL draft's really about upside, and he has plenty of it. Uh, I just really I don't really worry about prospect evaluation in July, but I do believe with this offense, and you look at what's back, I think he has really good pieces around him at wide receiver. Ramel Keaton, I think, remarkably underrated. Squirrel White. Tons of speed, Brew McCoy, big physical wife, physical wife. So he's got some weapons at his disposal. I think the big thing for him is Nim is missing the home run. Way too often, like you alluded to, Lugs, early in his career, he had too much horsepower in his right arm. Yep. He's had to kind of dial that back a little bit, and as a result, he's gotten more accurate. I think he's really progressed in those areas, and if it can carry over into the season, the sky's the limit. I'm really optimistic about what he can do, but the talk Heisman and top five pick in July does feel like we're a little bit out in front of our skis. And he's finishing, uh, he's replacing a guy who finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy race last year in Hendon Hooker. That was the highest finish for a Tennessee player since Peyton Manning in 1997. So some individual honors perhaps in the offing, some team honors as well. This team wants to compete in the college football playoff, and after the news last week, they will be able to do that. The NCAA handing down uh, some punishments. They avoided a postseason ban from the NCAA. Five years probation, $8 million fine. Total reduction of 28 scholarships. This stemming from more than 200 infractions under head coach, a former head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, who received a six-year show cause. Greg McElroy, your thoughts on the punishment? I thought it was an appropriate punishment. Look, when you take away the opportunity to play in the postseason, you're not penalizing Jeremy Pruitt. You're not penalizing those that actually saw the things go down within the program you're penalizing the current crop of players and that to me doesn't feel fair I actually think this is a kind of look into the future of how NCAA punishments are going to be levied it's going to be financial well eight million dollars doesn't seem like a huge financial burden it could have a trickle-down effect on some other programs but I think it was the appropriate thing to do the one thing I did take issue with I thought a six-year show cost for Jeremy Pruitt was way too aggressive but at the same time, with all the infractions, it was understandable that they decided to drop the hammer. And back to the $8 million fine, that equates to about what they would have lost if they missed the next two postseasons. So no ban, but you do lose out uh, on the money. Uh, speaking of which, Josh Heupel says it's great to have the cloud of uncertainty finally lifted from the program. The guys that signed with us in the last 18 to 24 months that trusted what we were saying to them, the transparency of the dialogue that we had with them, um, it was unbelievably satisfying to, to get over that hump. You're not dealing with unknowns now. 
Um, you're not dealing with other programs that are beating you up and in some ways sensationalizing what's going to happen. Uh, I was able to have great trust in what our administration was ta talking to us about. We're you know, consistent and clear in that messaging to our, our recruits. Um, and that's why you know, we've been able to recruit at a really high level. But uh, it's great to have it in the rearview mirror, not something that you're, you're driving by, driving by all the Tom Lugamil, National Recruiting Director. What director? What does Tennessee moving forward? Well, well, I think the stiffest one is the scholarship reductions. Because that's bodies. That's death. Death. And of death. All right. So if you're going to be lacking that, they're going to be already turned in their own sanctions of 16 reductions. So they've already. So they've already with it. With it and have an impact. And have an impact. in the trenches and in the particular league. Particular have to be stacked up. Have to that area. Also, Matt, is, they're happy to write this $8 million check. Eight million. I mean, no doubt. I mean, Tennessee's probably laughing writing that check. But I will, I also think that it's also a little bit egregious for just, just say a program like Stubbles basketball program that had far less, far less violations. And they took down a national championship banner. And that surprised me a little. I was a little surprised. They didn't get lack of institutional control. But looking forward, look, it's going to be about how they now manage the numbers. But Josh, I is right, Greg. Right. Now that you know what you are, what it is, nobody can use it against you anymore. Yeah, clarity is, is massive. Anytime you don't really know when there's uncertainty, when there's a cloud of doubt, there's an effect. The way the program's perceived on the recruiting trail as it relates to scholarship reductions, Luke, two scholarships a year. I mean, it's the difference in in putting your long snapper on scholarship or having a walk on at the end of camp. You do the video, and and now those guys won't get those opportunities. So it's, I think it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's going to be a massive impact for them moving forward. I do think they've established enough depth, and it's now because it's hot and trendy. It's become a destination place for a lot of guys that want to play in that offense and a lot of guys that want to be empowered on the defensive front as well because in the front seven those guys get to fly around that's a fun side of the ball to play on as well no one talks about it but that's a fun group so I'm very very optimistic about the future of Tennessee but I do think expectations this year are are pretty dang high well with the cloud lifted perhaps commitments like this will become a little more frequent within the last 24 hours they got a commitment from a, a pretty good athlete five-star athlete Mike Matthews announces his commitment on Wednesday. The number five player in the ESPN 300 Lugs. What are they getting in Matthews? Uh, an outstanding two-way player. We project him at wide receiver, but he could be every bit as effective as a defensive safety. And Tennessee did a wonderful job. It just so happened that he was on hand for their win against Alabama. Took a look at Georgia. Took a look at SC. Kept coming back to Tennessee. And the relationship he's established with their wide receiver coach, I think, is really, really important. And you see that what's happening at Tennessee, regardless of the NCAA and their decision, that's not what these kids are focusing on. So credit, credit this coaching staff and Josh Heupel for steering the ship, making sure they're focusing on the things that matter. And that's why guys like Mike Matthews end up committing to you. Now you got to hold on once you get to December. Nine ESPN 300 commits now for Josh Heupel in that class, a class that ranks in the top 15 nationally. All right, that's a little bit further into the future. Let's focus on the here and the now. Win totals. Let's start with Tennessee. Caesar Sportsbook, Greg McElroy, puts Tennessee's over-under win total nine wins. Where are you headed? I'm taking that exact number, and I hate to take the cop out, and of course we put Tennessee first because now I look so Dude. But either way, 
What? It's bad. I get it. I look at it. I think Alabama oh. and I think Georgia are ahead of them right now. Going to Alabama, you know, Bama's got that game circled. Georgia, the gap between them and Tennessee last year was significant. And we saw last year there was a clunker game for the Volunteers. I still think that clunker game could potentially come out yet again. They and them on the schedule. That's a tricky game. I think some of their road games are difficult as well. So I'm actually saying 9-3 and three is the exact number for the Volunteers. Walk out on that little limb, my friend. <laughs> Come on now, the push. Um, I, I, um, I took the under. But I wouldn't actually be surprised if it's a push or over. I took the under took, because I, I, I agree with Greg. I, I, we don't know yet about Tweet's A&M. Well, what if the, say, the Bobby Petrino the, uh, works and they come up with a quarterback? We know what their personnel is, okay? You can never discount a, a, a Mark Stoops coach football team. They're on the road. At Kentucky, I agree. The Alabama and Georgia game, that game is a two. I could see a, a, a stinker. Uh, and if that happened, and if I'm just going to go under, but it wouldn't surprise me, but it was nine or over. Last nine or was the first time they was the further nine regular than nine games since two games and and three. And, and three. in the East, go to see in the East, Carolina, Carolina, and a half, and a half. Greg, Greg. Taking the un, taking the un, and it's part, and it's part first half, first half of Joel. I think it's Joel. I think it's admirable. You start, you start the seats north, it's North Carolina. That's a, that's a really difficult knowing, knowing that this defense their, their fair share of challenges. Uh, at Georgia, another brutal game. Mississippi State, I expect to be really, really good. You have, and, and they struggled against the run. They at Tennessee, Florida at home. I mean, this, I mean, I'm home. I mean, they will. I'm saying they will. More is not come, more is not come. Realm of possibility, realm of possibility. Games, games. Greg, I couldn't agree more. I'm taking the under more well, and it's really just well in environments of the environments test. Look at test. Look at where they go. Go. It's really, really difficult. I think it's going to be a well-coached football going to team. Let's team. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler is mine. Maybe his mind. Maybe they chose, but I'm those, but I'm going the under. Last four. Last four weeks of the season. Do come at home. See if they.
SEC media.
Friday. Friday.